just about showing up authentically, you know, in the masks and in the, in the, in the beautiful parts too, like just showing up fully in, in wherever you are at and know that the more often you do that, you give yourself permission to do that, you allow others to do the same thing and it's a rippling effect and like I think that's where the healing comes in when somebody can recognize like where you're at and then you share and they share and it just kind of keeps spilling over. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to provide insight and wisdom into all things mental health, to sit down with individuals and talk about their journey, how they've broken free from the chains that bind them, to find their flame, their passions, and purpose. Welcome back, Breakers, to another episode of the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. I decided to bring it back to an old school reference of calling all y'all listeners Breakers. And then I realized when I say, welcome back, Breakers, it sounds like I'm calling y'all back, Breakers. Let me know if you like the renaissance of the term Breakers or not, or if it's too confusing. That's completely, <laughs> completely fine. Um our guest today on this podcast, episode three of season two, are uh, Becky Goodwin and Shannon Sedan, and they are from an organization called Tethered. Now, Tethered started due to their own experiences and, and sitting with each other and walking with each other through spiritual journeys and opening the doors for others. And so the, the mission of Tethered, as you'll find out, is very... Uh, heart chakra opening. It's very, very spiritual in nature. And the idea of sitting with and creating space for people who are looking to uh, find their own spiritual journeys or to do their own inner work and a place of comfort and support and non-judgment to either explore or to sit in stillness together. And as you find when I talk to Becky and Shannon in this episode, they're very amazing in, in doing this and very well versed in doing this. And we have a lot of fun talking about the different aspects of how they engage and what they do. Um, a little pre-note pre before you listen to the podcast, we talk a lot about plant medicine. And specifically, we talk about uh, psilocybin, or as some people call it, magic mushrooms, and how that can be used for spiritual journeys and spiritual awakenings. And I just wanted to let you all know that Becky and Shannon have done a lot of work on helping guide people through this and they've been above board on all of it and they meet all the legal uh, requirements of New Hampshire where they practice and how they do that. Um, they help guide people through it. They don't supply it and then also they're in the process of making tethered, uh, applying 
for uh, an official recognition of being a church in New Hampshire, which would allow them to continue this spiritual journey with people. I found sitting with uh, Becky and Shannon really amazing. I love hearing their journey and how they've supported each other and what they have going on uh, in the future and what they have going on now and their ability to kind of create a space where people of all walks of life can explore who they are and what their passions and their flame truly are. And as you all know, that's what we're all about here. So without further ado, here's Becky and Shanna. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great episode, though. We are super excited to have Becky and Shannon from Tethered on today. Yay, season two. Let's do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, our first season had like 86 episodes, and this season's probably going to wow. have like 12. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, we're being a little bit more realistic on what we can actually uh, put out there and the intensity of getting guests on. So happy to have you both on. Um yeah. So for our listeners, they know the format is usually just a quick introduction of, of who's the guest and then also what their origin stories are. And as you both probably know by now, I'm a huge comic book geek. So um, really, uh, if you could just do a quick summation of who you are and what Tethered is, and then also what brought you to create that business. Yeah. You want to kick us off, Shannon? Yes. I, I mean, I guess. Yes. So I'm Shannon. Uh, it's nice to be here. I appreciate this. I am living in New Hampshire. I have lived in England. I'm a mother of three children. And as far as tethered, I think it's probably been a lifelong journey. And this is the culmination of that. I've always been a spiritual seeker. I used to want to be a nun when I was little. Um, a lot of reading. <laughs> And then tethered kind of came about for me is because I'm a bit selfish and I didn't want to have to go to all these other places to have a practice. I wanted somewhere that was for Becky and I and other people who want to join us, um, but just our own space. We can kind of cater things in our own way. And that for me is kind of, and now here we are. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's awesome. It's it's funny that you mentioned that you used to want to be a nun because as a young kid, I I had this aspiration to be a priest, and I don't know where it, it kind of came from, and uh, I don't still kind of feel connected to that. I'm a very spiritual person, but I I kind of had a step away from organized religion myself. But that that concept of being able to provide uh, a service to people, I think, was. The, the biggest push for me so it's really funny that there's that parallel already in like two minutes into the podcast yes well I'm I'm gonna blow your mind and say not only did I also want to be a nun there is a famous story about my childhood that at age three or four I went up to receive communion in the Roman Catholic Church where I was raised with my parents and I was too young to receive but my dad told me that I walked up and that I winked at the priest and said I'm one too and of course, they had to explain to me after the fact that, you know, women were not allowed to be priests and that kind of thing, which I thought was thoroughly unfair. Um, but that does kind of tie to my origin story. Um, I did leave the Roman Catholic Church uh, in part because I've been a student of world religions my whole life, and it just started to feel like a jacket that was too small. Um, I love studying other traditions. I did end up coming back to an institutional church many years later. 
uh, that I became highly involved in and um, pursued ordination in at one point and then ended up stepping away from that as well. But I think to your point, Steve, about that desire to minister, that was really what was at the heart of all of this for me. From three years old onward, I have wanted to do meaningful work in the world. And Shannon and I really started this process, probably walking laps around a soccer field many, many years ago, just talking about our shared spiritual paths. And um, it, it led to this moment of being able to take something that we have worked very hard to cultivate the two of us in terms of a, a spiritual practice and kind of unfold it with our community. And thus far, it's been really well received, which is delightful. So <laughs> looking forward to everything that comes next. Yeah, that's great. And Becky, I just want to say, you know, you and I connected years ago, I think you found yeah. our non nonprofit online and outreach to kind of communicate. So it's been fantastic to kind of see that growth, uh, you know, getting to know you over the internet, right? Yes, and then, for sure. But just seeing everything that, um, you know, that growth towards working with Shannon and, and doing tethered is, is amazing to see and connect to that. Absolutely. That idea. So why don't we, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what tethered is and, and so we can kind of get that as like a good frame of reference as we communicate further in the podcast, but I, I'm already really vibing with some ideas of, uh, you know, what tethered is beyond what's on your website. But if we could just kind of talk to the listeners and let them know what tethered is, and then we can talk. Mm. Do you want to go first, Shannon? Sure. So initially for me, our, I feel like our, I don't know, tagline would be individuals in community. And for me, um, it was about bringing my spiritual practice more into my daily life through uh, and, and being in community in that. So we do cacao ceremonies and sound baths and um, women's circles and Reiki and just kind of the, the what I say, fun stuff, but also just being able to do that with other people is really important to me. I feel like when we come together in the group, aspect of things there are, there is always somebody who has a nugget of truth or information or validity that I've really been needing that I get to hear from them and so it's just about more community for me in my in my spiritual practice so we do a lot of that stuff and and uh growing on that and I think we're also just really now figuring out exactly what we are doing. I think at first we were kind of throwing things to the wall and seeing what stuck. And now I feel like we're really getting clear on the direction in which we move. Yeah. And I think when we had a, we did an event last week, um, it was a full moon ceremony. We uh, had this beautiful tea that we shared. We did some meditation. Uh, Shannon led a short sound healing. And then we did some journaling, intention setting, and just some open sharing. And um, one of the insights that came to me is that what has held me back, I think, in the past from sharing what I want to do personally with the community is the sense that I had to generate the energy to do all of it. And as I was sitting there, we had this beautiful group of 10 women and my 16 year old son who wanted to join and loved it. Um, 
was the sense that the community is the container. The community is the the source of this energy and that I don't have to come up with it. <clears throat> and so that's been a huge blessing is just the knowledge that if we create the space and we hold it with intentionality, that energy will come. And it's so healing. I mean, women crying and sharing and supporting each other. And um, I think where we've really honed in, in terms of our vision has been in the direction of ceremony that what what allows that growth to take place is a is an intentional act of setting a sacred space and uh, allowing whatever comes up to come up and, and let the group hold that. And whenever we're able to do that, which has been many times, even in the short time that we've been open, um, we all walk away feeling changed by that and energized. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful work. That's fantastic. Yeah. And thank you both for sharing that. I think it's... Uh... You know, I don't, we, in our society, I think we talk a lot about community, but we very rarely have these spaces to explore what that actually means. And and I'm a firm believer of community, community in general, just being one of the superpowers of the human race of this idea yes. of our ability to meet and see and hold that space together and connect in, in really unfiltered ways and, and with support is a really strong healing process for for many people and it's one of the reasons why you know i i chose to go towards the counseling field in my life and be able to help others come and sit and find a space that they can explore those things because i felt you know originally and and, and listeners will know this story many times because i always reference it but my only frame of reference from doing the mental health counseling work that i do uh when i was younger was um you know, uh, growing pains with Alan, mm. Alan, Alan Thicke was a therapist. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in college, it, that was my only frame of re reference, what therapy was. I was like, oh, he seems to be happy. And it seems to be a, a nice uh, family based kind of thing that you can do. And then obviously exploring, it's a little bit different, but, you know, I've had many iterations of how I, I do my therapy and, you know, really the heart of it to me is exactly what both of you were just talking about is being able to, whether it's individual family, marriage, or group therapy, being able to sit and kind of hold that space and, and be vulnerable with each other is really amazing. Yeah. I also come out of about 16 years in a fellowship of recovery. And I think that is another space where the efficacy of community can really shine. Mm -hmm. um, certainly it's not for everyone, but when, when I, you know, I'll be fully honest, Shannon has been all in on this venture from the beginning. And I, I thank her from the bottom of my heart for being patient with me as I overcame multiple levels of resistance. Uh, I think just because of my own baggage and having left the church and having, you know, in my mind, shed that mantle of ministry, like, oh, that was a chapter that I've closed. Um, and where I finally was able to find the confidence to step into the space was knowing that what I have seen in terms of transformation from people who are willing to be vulnerable with others, uh, I've seen it again and again and again during my years of recovery. So I know that there's something to be said there. And I also think that that is a community that um, can benefit from a lot of the work that we're doing, whether it's ceremony work, whether it's community-based stuff or plant medicine, which we can talk about 
later on in the episode, I think there are a lot of opportunities to draw from some of the best aspects of what's already been done and bring it into new spaces and new contexts. And that's a, a brilliant point that that you bring up is because most people will look at recovery and, and talk about it and say, you know, what what is uh, what's needed to sustain that? And one of the biggest things I've seen in the work that I've done and then my own kind of behavioral addiction in the past is really like connection and community. Yeah. Absolutely. Obviously, there are other metrics that kind of go into it too, but to be able to sit and be open, so much of that for me specifically, I can talk about was, um, you know, fear of holding the secret. I was holding Mm. the secret. I was isolated. I wasn't able to communicate with anyone around this. And then once you find that connection in that community, again, from my experience, it's you drop this weight that you've been carrying on forever and you're like, oh, I could actually not have to mask how I'm feeling or hide this from someone, I can actually openly say this and not feel judged or diminished. Yeah, it releases so much shame. Go ahead, Shannon. No, I was just saying that, yes, <laughs> basically, I just that fills my heart with joy hearing that because I don't travel the same. I'm a child of uh, addict, like an addict, so I have different space, but overlapping and just the freedom from being able to just be fully yourself like I'm I, I don't know where I would be without the ability to do that and I wouldn't have that without my husband and Becky and 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 other things along the way that have shown me what that what that is and gave me permission to do that you know yeah so that's just uh, made my heart feel good when you were saying that absolutely this is this is so fun because uh you're both facilitators and I can see you facilitating in the podcast <laughs> Becky just a minute go ahead Shannon go ahead and, and speak and it lets me sit back a little bit and be like oh okay you know like you were saying Becky uh sometimes you feel like you have to enter something with this energy and I have to hold this together and and sometimes podcasts for me are like that and then within a couple minutes you you can just let go and it's like oh there's this natural rhythm or this natural energy that comes from the participants and it it's just funny just to sit back and see that interaction from my point of view because I think it's um I think it's you know once you kind of feel comfortable in those spaces everyone's a natural leader everyone's a natural facilitator of those kind of things uh maybe some with more guidance obviously if if you're running um the the group or the meeting but i think that's also part of the beauty of this work is is that it's not it doesn't have to be a hierarchy of individuals it's just people in community people gathering yes totally I feel like Shannon and I, part of what makes our friendship so fruitful and our work together is I always think of like when you're um, roller skating and you're holding hands and you kind of like one person, you swing one person up and then they get ahead and then they kind of grab your hand and swing you up and that kind of thing. I feel like Shannon and I have a really great ability to sort of uh, nudge when we need to nudge each other uh, and step back when we know the other person needs to be able to step forward and lead on something. So grateful for that among yes. many many other things <laughs> yeah true yeah and so, I think that's it oh, go ahead Jenny. I was gonna say just for for me as well in this stuff is just having those relationships with women in particular 
and being able to stand side by side and to step back or forward, depending on the support somebody else needs or whatever has been massively healing for me. Can you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, it just, I, I don't think, I think I grew up in a pretty typical as a as a typical teenage girl and there's not a lot of support <laughs> as one there's it can be very very difficult and I don't think it was until my early 30s that I actually met women who accepted me for who I am and basically were saying um I'll just be really transparent, but basically I kind of destroyed my life in my early thirties in the, in a way that, um, allowed me to really grow. But these women were like, yes, we'll, we'll be on this journey for you. However, it turns out. And I had never had that before. And I'm, I'm so grateful. For, I mean, not for like the crash and burn of my life in some ways, but of the support through that and mm. being show up as an ugly mess and being loved regardless and that stuff has allowed me to grow immensely because of in women like Becky, where it's like, it's all okay, whatever that is, you know, and we'll get through it. That's awesome. Thank you for being open about that. Okay. I know that um, I, I'm always, I always feel like it's, it's a privilege to be able to, to hear that from people. And in, you know, I think that for me specifically, um, I see that a lot with with people who who do the work that you both do, but also are able to sit with uh, people they care about or hold those spaces is that it's amazing just how little it takes for people to to support each other and kind of show up for each other. But there's all these norms or social cues that kind of get in the way of that. And even like for me, that terms uh, the term selfish, I think, is a term that I, the term selfish and the term selfless is a term, or the, both are terms that really, like they get stuck in my craw and I get re really irritated with because I feel like, you know, they're both, we all know what they are, but I feel like they're more limiting than what we actually think because I think there's this internal dialogue that that we create for ourselves from social pressures or social norms that say, all right, well, I can't be selfish because that's deemed bad. I want to be selfless because that's, you know, what everyone says we should do, right? Like religion or philosophies or, you know, just basic tenets in school is like, hey, you want to be the, the best helper. You want to get that award. You want to uh, be kind, all of which are great. But I think, you know, when we really look how that's put into practice, it's saying that, you know, the actual terminology of selfless is that you can't have a self and it, and then if you do something for yourself then well what's the opposite it's being selfish i have to be selfish for this situation when in reality is like that's not bad you know you need you need to have a self you need to cultivate self and you also need to connect with people and hold space for people and so it's it's way more of a a gray area than I think it often is. And I've, I've had this conversation with a bunch of people where they're like, well, I don't want to be selfish. So I have to be selfless and, you know, in and of itself, it's like, well, why? And, right. you know, that question I feel like comes back a lot. It's like, well, why, why are we doing this? Why is this so 
you know, have we actually sat down and paid attention to what that why is of where does this come from? And, you know, as you were talking about that, I, I really felt that kind of similar energy coming from you about being able to experience that in your life. Yeah. Go ahead, Becky. Sorry. No, it's fine. I was just going to say, I think that's really the root of where we went with individuals and community. I, you need both. And I think the when we bring folks together in our space, we're asking them to retain that self in the midst of it. So that means you come with all of your frailties and all of your struggles, but also your challenges and your growth. And if you aren't willing to show up with all of that, then you might miss the opportunity to help someone else who needs to hear that nugget of wisdom that you were saying, Shannon. And I think of the the collective energy that happens when you have a room full of people who are willing to kind of bring all of it and not be caught up in, am I being selfish by sharing, but instead, can I be open and vulnerable with the knowledge that whatever I share is, is not only held by the community, but of great value. You know, I mean, people are, hungry to connect with other people's experiences so I love at the end of an event watching people connect afterwards and chatting with each other and it's usually those moments of uh pain really that cause those connections you know we had an event where I could see two women connecting after over a situation they had in common and I mean like that really is the goal is to give people those opportunities to connect that, yeah. And can I build on that a little bit uh, as well? I think by showing up authentically with all of, can I make, can I swear? <laughs> you can't fucking do it. So no, of course you can. <laughs> but like show up with all of our shit, you know, there is, um, I think there, it allow it gives other people permission to then be really honest about their, their stuff. But I also believe, you know, we have an a, a range of ages of people who come to this stuff. And I think that it's very important for me in my early forties to show up authentically because when I was 20 and even in my early thirties, I felt like I was failing at life and everyone else looked like they had themselves together. And when we have these younger people who come, it's like, no, the work is always there. There's always, you know, you can switch out the subject, but the struggle bit, it is always going to be there. And I think that's important to, to be transparent about because I need, that's what I needed when I was younger. And I want to be able to show up authentically and be like, it's not you, you're right on time. This is just what life is, you know? And, mm. and so I, I love when people show up with all of their mess. And yeah. the confidence that comes from seeing these older women and the and men, I mean, we have, we have men and women who come to these events, but the sturdiness that comes with time and growth and, you know, having encountered those struggles and gotten through them. Then for me, you know, not only am I there to share transparently about my own foibles in the past, <laughs> but I'm also there to look ahead and say, wow, you know, there is a richness to life that comes with dedication and devotion to this work. And it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to keep showing up. And so when I uh, see that kind of wisdom come through from 
older people that are, have joined for our community events. It's just so inspiring and so encouraging. Like, oof, can't wait to be 70. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, I think that's, a, I mean, it, it, you know, my experience is very similar to that. And, you know, the idea of even the opposite way, I think, is is really healthy, too, is like to being able to see like uh, people younger and share with people in that way and kind of talk to them um, authentically and, and see their responses, because I think it's really hard at that age group of adolescence and young adulthood of, you know, you're transitioning between like, okay, who am I free of all, all the societal kind of demands of what I have to do or educational demands of, you know, how I have to show up in this space without being judged. And I don't necessarily want to be my true self because maybe uh, someone's going to critique that because mm -hmm. it's different, but to open that space for them to be authentic. I've learned so much from, from adolescents and young adults that um, just blows my mind of how they show up when they're given that space and they're given that freedom to to do that and um you know even young kids I, I my mind's been blown about just how insightful like the human psyche is in general and you know I think with the way I mean there's much about our our society that I, I could critique but I think specifically with the power dynamics that come with age I think there's a lot of um you never reach that that perfect age where you think, ah, once I get to a certain place, it's going to be, I'm going to be mint. I'm going to be the top of the game. So it's always <laughs> shifting because it's either you're too young, you don't have a voice, you're too old, you're you're disconnected. Oh, you haven't have an, had enough experience. Oh, you know, like you haven't had this hardship. And, you know, it's funny to me that like younger, my younger self in my 20s and 30s was chasing something that isn't real. And so yeah. being able to sit, like both of you were saying, being being able to sit with people and, and kind of hear their insight, it's like, oh, oh, okay, we're all kind of in this position and we're connecting in different ways and we're moving forward. And I think that's, again, for me, that's the beauty about life is that you always have that ability to keep moving and adapting and learning and enhancing. Yeah. Yeah, we had this beautiful moment at the last uh, big event with, uh, we had three teenagers there. And a lot of the content that was being shared by the adults in the room was fairly bleak. There was some talk about divorce, there was some talk about death of parents, there was some talk about having been laid off. And I'm riding home in the car they had left before I had, and I'm thinking, wow, like, you know, to be, to be 16 and to be hearing that, is this going to be... Uh, like a, a negative experience for them that they're, you know, looking to adulthood and thinking, oh gosh. And they had all come back to my house and they were playing poker with their friends. And it was quite the opposite. When I got in, I got to talk to them. They, they loved it. They were going on and on about how uh, meaningful it was and how grateful they were to have taken part and how they want to come back. And um, one of the, the girls said, um, I just feel right with the world. That was the way she described it. And I thought, I think all that is, is the ability to perceive authenticity, because so much of their experience, like ours, is generated, it's on social media, it's artificial. And you can handle bad news, you can handle struggle, 
when you are allowed to be honest about it and when you feel that you are in a safe place. And so I thought, okay, this is actually a real boon, you know, that that 16 year old me, I had moments where I was able to witness real struggle, but also it was shared in a way that did not feel scary to me because I knew it was real. And I knew that um, the, the person or myself, whomever was safe. And uh, so that's, again, a piece of it that I'm excited that we have the opportunity to offer because I know how badly young people need that experience of authenticity, good, bad, and in between. And it, I mean, like when I think about it, and I would pose this to both of you is, is like looking at your own adolescence, how many adults did you feel like really authentically connected with you and had that open space to, to generate that ability for that to happen? It's not a ton, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe some family members, maybe some not, but like outside of that, they're you know, unless you, you have that privilege to go in group to groups like this, or that ability to sit with people and, and that space is created, I, I would say it's probably not a ton. Not a ton. I think it's what drew me to work with teenagers for so much of my life. I taught high school, I've taught freshmen uh, at several universities and still do. And I've worked with as a youth minister for the church that I was affiliated with for a long time. And I think m much of it was about my own healing. I'm not sure that there was much else that was, uh, you know, as motivating to me as wanting to re-enter that space and do for them what I wish I had had access to as a teenager. And I did have some, some wonderful moments for sure, some highlight moments as a teenager. But, um, you know, I think Shannon and I could probably both agree that a lot of the work we're doing now is like you said, because we wished that earlier versions of ourselves had access to spaces like this. Yeah. Yes. Lots of reparenting. Yeah. Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff, but a lot of energy to, to kind of, sure. you know, figure out. And I think that's awesome that your son went, um, to some of these. So, so some, some of the ceremonies that you do, do you both mind talking a little bit about the ones that you've referenced? You, you've referenced cacao, you've referenced sound, you've referenced uh, plant medicine. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Becky, do you want to? Uh, sure. I can start with cacao and then um, I'll kick it to Shannon. Um, so I had the opportunity to do a cacao ceremony a couple of years ago. And I was with a friend, we were at a festival and we were invited to, to take part. And the woman leading it talked a little bit about the use of this um, drink in South American culture and that it was used as an empathogen. So it basically is, is a heart opener and it's a, um, a tool to be used to kind of displace conflict, to open ourselves to the experience of other people. Um, it's not a psychoactive or anything like that. It's, um, we call it grown up hot chocolate. It's basically from the same plant th that chocolate is made from, but it's, um, it's treated and processed differently. And we uh, use a cacao that is sourced from indigenous people and is handled with respect for the for the plant. Um, and then we have a, a wonderful friend who prepares it for us in a traditional way. And essentially a cacao ceremony is really nothing more than a uh, a circle that is held in sacred space. So we sit down, we share the drink, we have the intention of bringing our 
our whole selves to the experience. We enter into a short meditation. We come out of it. There's an opportunity to set an intention, to journal, and then there is sort of open sharing. And um, what I have found is so uh, efficacious, I guess, about the experience is that it just, um, there's something about sharing a common food that is so ancient and is so ubiquitous in religious cultures. So whether it's a Eucharist or whether it's an, a different type of sacrament or prasada in, in Hinduism, it's taking that moment of consciously sharing something with everyone else in the room that does open us in a way that is difficult to explain, but is certainly uh, beautiful to experience. Um, so we've had a few of those. Uh, we have another one coming up. And um, a lot of the same mechanisms that we use in a cacao ceremony, we use in other um, like full moon ceremonies will open with a tea, a shared tea. Um, we have a wonderful woman who prepares special custom blends for us for the full moon. And again, just sort of recognizing the energy of the natural world that is available to us. So whether it's, um, you know, something nature-based like the moon or a shared drink um, or a sacred plant, as I'm sure Shannon will talk about, um, each provides that moment where to me it's like the veil thins and you're able to have access to other parts of yourself the cosmos the community um and it's very powerful it's good stuff awesome <laughs> okay so where do we want i don't want to tiptoe around plant medicine stuff um Just i don't jump know into it okay so the so i just wanted to preface saying that i am for sure, a product of dare. Yeah, like anything yeah. more than cannabis, ever. And it wasn't until um, this was years ago. At this point, uh, I read Becky and I both. We read Michael Pollan's book, which led to a series of other books, which leads to podcasts and TED talks and all of the things. And then it got to a place where it was like, for me personally, I cannot listen to another person's story having to do with mushrooms, which seemed like the most accessible but even though like I'm 39 and it's like I don't even know where that <laughs> I don't know how to have access to this stuff and um and then we did we create we created our own ceremony following um I think our own intuition and what we had read in Johns Hopkins protocol and then we did we jumped into uh plant medicines through mushrooms initially for me and that was, I don't know how much you want me to share. I'm happy to go all the way with that or. Um, you, you feel open to sharing? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I did five grams of mushrooms my initial time. I was definitely looking for full ego death. Like I, I needed that inner voice to be gone. And, um, and it was. A, it was a for sure a hero's journey there was a lot of darkness and I was it was terrifying in the beginning and Becky was so amazing sitting there every time I opened my eyes and she'd be like this is what we're doing and it's okay and you are safe and um ugh, thank god she was my tether really to this space that allowed me to go all the way to nothingness and then my personal experience was, uh, which I spent a lot of time and I let a lot of my human experiences stay there. Um, it was very freeing 
once I finally started coming back. Uh, and for me personally, I was, sounds crazy, but I was reborn through a mushroom. And then I definitely spent time in that like mystical space where I was, I was like all the mothers. So like every soul that had ever existed was my baby. And it was just the most immense, I don't even know how to describe it. Just, just such an overwhelming universal love and acceptance of everybody. It was so fucking beautiful and overwhelming and, and very, very, very healing. There was a lot as, as people showed up from my own life, my dad, my mom, my sisters, my husband, my high school boyfriend, like as people came up, it was like, I was getting these nuggets of healing for those relationships and whatever was left. And, um, and then I came all the way back and that's really where like the work began. And there was a lot of integration, a lot of integration and thank God for Becky because she just, she just was there for me the whole time. And then, um, and then a year later, I was invited to an ayahuasca ceremony and it happened to fall in the exact one year day of my mushroom experience. So it felt like you can't say no, it was being invited. And, and, and that, that opened me up to what ceremony is like my, my initial mushroom experience was very personal and for me. And then to do this work in community with other people, mm. it was so mind blowing. Um, it was so beautiful to be working on your own stuff and then to witness other people's experiences. It was fascinating. And, and it was from there that I was like, well, I, I want this in my life. Maybe not ayahuasca <laughs> all the time, but the, the community. It felt so ancient and sacred. And I remember feeling like this is church. Like this is what church is supposed to feel like. That that universal connection. Mm. And um, and so from there, I think we're going on. This is like two, maybe a year ago now, for my initial one. And then um. And then for me personally, I sat again this summer. And um my daughter joined me, which was, it was so beautiful to be able to introduce her to this stuff and for her to know what sacred feels like at such a young age in the hopes that as she grows and has babies in a marriage and a life that she'll be able to recognize the sacred parts when they're there and, and to know it fully in, in all of her being. Um, yeah. And so the tethered stuff outside of that for me personally is just being able to bring that kind of ceremony into my everyday life and to really hold on to those lessons and wisdom that I've gained in them. And I'll let Becky speak for herself, but on her own journeys. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That was very powerful to hear. Thank you yeah. for tearing up over here. Um, and it was a privilege to watch you. It was a privilege to be there um, for that initial journey and every day since. But um, yeah, I think both Shannon and I felt uh, our 40th birthday was an auspicious time as we kind of hit that midlife milestone. Uh, so she had, I had sat for her uh, in April 
a couple of years ago. And then she sat for me in August um, for my birthday. And, um, you know, I think a lot of plant medicine is about what you bring to it. We know from decades now of research that set and setting intention, uh, having that support of a, of a trusted guide with you is so critical. I also think, um, particularly mushrooms, which are the only plant medicine I have experience with, uh, they're very, I, I say they're very cheeky because I think they're, they're incredible facilitators and they use, uh, they use the kind of template and the toolkit that you have to its best, um, in the most productive way possible. So being a lifelong student of world religions, being obsessed with religion, my ex first experience was um, kind of like a tour of all of these archetypes and all of these uh, belief systems that I had encountered, but with, with a level of experience in my cells that I could not reach through an academic process. And so all of these, these great you know, teachers that I had admired my whole life, um, reading Michael Pollan's book and learning, for example, that Bill W., who founded AA, had uh, credited his spiritual awakening to psychedelics and had hoped to use LSD in the treatment of alcoholics, learning that Houston Smith, whose book World Religions I've read more times than I can count, and I used it as a textbook to teach, uh, that he had taken part in psychedelics and had uh, known with confidence that this was a, a tool that we are um, and a technology that we are meant to use as part of our spiritual awakening. I went into my trip with feeling that with that I had them at my back, like these, or maybe in front of me and I'm following their lead. I don't know, but I had them in good company. And so that initial experience just felt like the most profound um, validation of, of the study that I had had uh, throughout my life. And um, additionally, I feel like what mushrooms allow you to do is it's like the landscape around you is the same, but you're taking the elevator to the 40th floor. And so now you can see all these things in your life. So it's like, I can see a traffic jam and be like, okay, I know how to get around that now. And nothing has really changed in your outside reality, but your perspective and your orientation to all of it has shifted. So to come back out of that with this sense of like, not only kind of confidence in, in continuing the work and continuing the spiritual journey, but also like I came through with this downloaded software upgrade of like, oh, I have all these skills now that I didn't have before. And that's where I think this medicine is so powerful. And that's why Shannon and I have long talked about how do we bring this to the world? How do we do it safely? How do we do it legally? How do we do it um, in a way that will really benefit people? Because once you have experienced it, there is no way to um, not honor the power that it has to transform lives. And so um, I revisited the mushrooms uh, recently and um, had an even more profoundly validating experience um, and really felt that they are, like I said, a sacred technology and that this particular experience was about getting to step into the playground of the sacred and seeing all there is to work with so that Shannon and I can bring people to this work with absolute confidence that whatever they need, it will be made available to them. And I have that confidence now. I 
Uh, we've done work with with individuals. We've we've sat with them. We look forward to doing more of that work because it's like spiritual midwifery. And I'm not at all surprised that the images that came up for her and for me in in certain moments were about mothering because I think it is about bringing new life through for other people, and it's profound and humbling. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a lot of research going on now too. Like, you, like you were talking about Johns Hopkins, Hopkins I can't speak <laughs> or Hopkins uh, research, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of studies are looking at mental health use with with psychedelics yes. and ketamine. And I know Massachusetts, where I'm at, is doing ketamine trials right now. They're not quite at the psychedelic aspects of that, but you know, you talk about Michael Pollan's um, books. And they're really, really amazing. And the studies that are out there, I think they're finding some really good information on it. Um, obviously, you know, as you said, like how to do this in, in a justifiable way, in a legal way, and, and things of that nature, I think it's always about safety and, and self-care and making sure people are okay. And, you know, sure. you're towing that line, but I think it's, uh, you know, the science is kind of coming into looking at like microdosing and, and guided microdosing of these things in a really healthy scientific way and spiritual way. Um, and I think that it's, uh, it's definitely some, some big stuff out there. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to say too, what we were talking about, about like holding space. I didn't know how to, I didn't necessarily know how to do that. I had people who showed me along the way what that was. So I knew it when I recognized it, but honestly, until my work with psychedelics, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant necessarily. And some of it is, is watching how Becky sat for me, but also it's the medicine itself. It puts you in this space where you need to be very, very fully present and not resist what's coming up. Good, bad, terrible, like beautiful. And it has made me a better mother because of my experiences. So now when my, I have three teenagers and when life is, is messy for them, it's not, I can't am able to show up more fully because I know how to sit in the uncomfortable emotions of witnessing other people's uncomfort. And it's a practice and it's practice like in my regular life and also in the psychedelic space, but I, I wouldn't have known what that was without my mushroom experience and, and in ayahuasca, but it's made me such a better mother to be able to show up and just bear witness, you know, and tell my kids like, these feelings are not going to kill you and it's okay. And everybody feels them and we're going to, we're going to sit and we're going to get through this together. You will see on the other side. It's all okay. Awesome. So, so um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I really, you referenced this Shannon, but uh, I just like double checking on it. Uh, where did the name tethered come from? Ooh, tethered. Um, oh, geez, Becky. I don't even know. I, Initially, it was going to be like untethered, right? Because in that space, you're definitely untethered. Mm -hmm. But I don't I know. I think it came out of your first ayahuasca journey. Because I think when you came back, that was where you, where I remember you first talking about that word. And it, it always felt like that was 
you know, when I think about um, a plant, it is tethered to the ground, it has roots, but it is also allowed to grow and to spread. And I think it comes down to that individual and community piece as well. It's like, we are, we are individuals, we are here with our own full experience, but we are also grounded and rooted in the experience that we're sharing with others. And to me, it, it, it's what allows you to grow in safety is the knowledge that you are tethered, that you are held, and um, you have that safety net of, of other people who will look after you and care for you. And it's what we've experienced time and time again when we bring people into the space. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as well, the, um, Mary, Mag, the Mary Magdalene revealed, she talks about the red thread and like that's the other tether. So I think it's been around us <laughs> that word and our own I, I love that imagery Becky that you were talking about of you know being able to grow in, into this this thing and being free to do it but also the the root system of what you're talking about and I also think the cool thing about that is as we're is the science is developing then we find that trees and plants communicate through those root systems and interweave and so that that imagery is really palpable and i think you know really cool um yes. that it connects to exactly what you all are doing yeah, yeah tr trees care for each other they will know who needs nutrients and they will send that nutrient package to each other and I went on this beautiful mushroom foraging walk with a mycologist last summer and she was talking about the ways that mushrooms serve as an intermediary between different species of plants and trees they're like a little internet in a forest and they can actually communicate uh across vast distances through mycelium about needs within the forest and they can actually uh, redistribute nutrients redistribute um, water whatever it might be and I just thought that was absolutely beautiful because I do think when you have a sense of community you know that you don't have to show up with everything for yourself you can rely on the generosity of other people who are there with you I think I saw a documentary about that. I think it was called, uh, it was on HBO. It was called uh, The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay, that, a, I will say. Geeky joke. No, I love that show. I have not played the game, though I've heard it's beautiful. And that was the only thing I've ever watched in my life that made me a little jiggy about mushrooms. I remember the first time I saw an ad in my social media for something related to cordyceps. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I need a minute. <laughs> yeah. Each of those episodes was beautifully done. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I never played the game, but I, I could connect with, with the show for sure. For sure. Uh, Shana, I don't, do you know that show at all? Or I don't no. think I've seen no. it's a show on HBO based on, um, a video game, which was kind of like zombie esque, but it's, it's because like mushrooms take over, um, the human race and turn them into like zombies but they can communicate through that vast network of systems like becky was kind of talking so it was kind of a geeky joke so hopefully some of the <laughs> listeners got in they don't hear the the explanation for those who didn't get it there you go all right so going on that thread of geekiness it's time for the fake lightning round as we like to call it here on the podcast and uh, a couple questions for both of you um I'm going to add one because I think I, I'm always interested in hearing what people are reading. So uh, we're going to start with this one and it can be any kind of book. It could be informational. It could be nonfiction, fiction, sci-fi, fantasy, what, uh, you know, mystery, 
romance, whatever you want it to be. But like, what what books are you reading currently for for both of you? I just had to pull up my Audible so I could make sure I had the title correct. I just finished today the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by James Fadiman. Um, he's a PhD, and uh, it's a great book. It's very practical. It's for people who do the work that Shannon and I are doing in terms of sitting for other folks. Uh, goes into a lot of research, a lot of personal anecdotes. It covers um, all kinds of great material. So that's kind of my nerdy uh, read. Um, and then I am also revisiting a classic, uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces. And that was really due to the experience I had over the weekend and wanting to come back to that book and, and um, remember all the beautiful nuggets of wisdom that are, are, if you've not read that book, it's an absolute classic and a, a necessary one. So that's me. Hold on, Shannon, before you go, I, I you use the term uh, nerdy, so I always want to check in with people. So the etymology of the word nerdy versus geek or geeky, um, <laughs> people use them interchangeably. I'm like really hardcore, like I consider myself a geek um, and nerd in a, a different way. So like my geekiness is more like comic book fantasy, D&D kind of stuff uh game board I have all of that as well and then I consider nerdiness like the psychosocial stuff of like mental health that I get really like nerd core on uh, mm. some people disagree with the terminology so I I label myself mostly a geek with a nerd on the side how do you <laughs> label yourself in that yeah so big science nerd um I have a really hard time picking up fiction when I go to grab a new book the one caveat to that has been Brandon Sanderson, who is a fantasy writer that is near and dear to my heart. I've read. Oh, almost, I know. I know Sanderson. He he's he is a beacon for me in the fantasy world. I love yeah. him, and uh, so my geek is board gaming. Uh, mm -hmm some some rpg when i am able to fit it into my very busy schedule which is the struggle of all geeky adults i think yep. um so yeah that kind of covers both i love science and uh spirituality both in terms of reading and literature and i love gaming so would you agree with my assessment of those terms do you think we're yeah no that makes complete sense for okay. sure and i'll I'm... i'll steal that definition going forward <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure because like I've gotten into heated debates with people about it. So I'm always interested. All right. So Shannon, what, what books are you reading current or consuming currently? Um, yeah, um, I'm going to start the Joseph Campbell one. I actually just got it today. And I'm also reading Womb Awakening. Um, it's just about the divine feminine basically so awesome. I'm, I'm excited about yeah yeah very cool so yeah I, I just finished a, a book called tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and it's a fiction book but it it is told through a really cool lens of game development of uh you know video game development um and i, I believe the author is gabrielle uh, seven and it almost they had me tearing up at certain parts and it's not usually my, like the, I, like I said, I'm huge fantasy sci-fi. So Sanderson is a, a staple of mine. I can't wait for book four of your Sanderson to come out. I'm so stoked for the Cosmere tie-ins and then the new defiant book coming out soon. It just pre-ordered. Yes. Um, so really excited about that, but uh, I, I can't recommend tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow more to people. 
uh, even if you're not into gaming at all but it's it's a really well written char- character development and like spans a lifetime of these characters it's really good may make you cry but i'm a huge softy so maybe it won't make you cry it it made me tear up for sure it's hard to remember a day that i haven't cried in the last few years in good bad or otherwise i think it's important oh man Encanto makes me cry every time i watch that movie (laughs) i'm gonna add this to my audible wish list all right so we've covered we've covered the first round of the lightning round yes uh so and then the, the the you know the standard questions are um so if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I have been waiting on this answer since the opening of this podcast, because I'm curious if you remember, but the superpower that I would love to have is to be able to do a flying push-up like Steve can do. Um, <laughs> because prior to finding your work life, I quote unquote met you through a handstand challenge on Instagram. And correct, I've lo- yes. I have long desire to be able to do cool things on my hands which I still really cannot do um so I would love to be able to be more uh I'd love to be able to do a human flag and to be able to do a flying push-up those aren't even superpowers those are just human powers but I'm starting starting small before we even get into superpowers (laughs) that's my answer okay I like that um I think I would just like to be able to teleport basically. That's, that's what I, that's all I would ask for. And just by that sheer fact, you're saving the world from, you know, all the toxins that we put in it from using planes and everything. So it's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) You're selfless and selfish at the same time. Right. Balance. Balance. (laughs) Very good. And then this, the follow-up question to both of those is, uh, what do you believe your true life superpower is? For me. I think, oh, I think my mothering qualities are probably that. Yeah, just being able to show up for other people and myself and, um, I don't know. I'm, I get, I, yeah, I'm going in the mothering direction. I feel like, I think I'm good at that. You are, Thank you me. are <laughs> not just as an, an individual mom, but, um, we, we sat for someone recently together and they were having a moment of real resistance and real struggle. And Shannon just leans in and she grabs her hand and she said, I am not afraid of where you need to go. I'm going to be in it with you. So you can let and it was just the most beautiful moment of kind of tough love mothering of like little bit of a kick in the butt. And it pushed her over the edge into some profound work that I know uh, has changed her life. So that is your superpower for sure. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think mine is that I could make friends with anyone. Um, my When I worked had a short stint of work in an office because I did part-time work for a long time in order to kind of raise my kids. I was piecing together adjunct work and tutoring and all these different things. And then I got a big girl job, full-time job, and I was working in an office and I would come home every day and I would tell my husband all these people that I met. And he said, do you just walk down the aisles and just wave to people and just hope that somebody will wave back so you can strike up a conversation? And that is really true. I love the process of meeting people and I'm highly extroverted, obviously. Um, And so I think that 
is my superpower. I'm good at bringing people into um, my life in a way that allows them to share whatever it is that we're doing. So uh, yeah. the, the golden retriever <laughs> of the world over here. Well, I, you already are, have a superhero name picked out. Do it I? sounds like what you just said. Golden retriever, my, right? Go, I'm the golden retriever. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but you know, we'll no, call I'll you, take it. we'll call you GR for short, you know, it works. <laughs> I love it. So if I were to kind of pose this question to to both of you and you know we've been talking for an hour now of, of everything that Tether is doing and all of your own insights and your journeys to get to where you are now what would you want our listeners to kind of walk away with like if, if you had to boil it down into like a minute of a statement like what would you feel would be a really amazing thing that if a listener uh, ends listening to this they walk away with this gem of knowledge or this cultivating thought? I really believe that each person is whole and resourceful and perfect exactly as they are. And I think the work that we are doing is helping people step into that knowledge about themselves. And so that can take place through the use of a medicine, a plant medicine, it can take place by being willing to show up and be vulnerable in community. But my hope is that whoever is not feeling worthy, whoever is not feeling satisfied or is feeling kind of dislocated in life, that they will take the risk to find a place that offers the kind of work that we're doing and show up and see what happens. Yeah, I'll I guess I'm going to just kind of build on that. Just about showing up authentically, you know, in the mess and in the, in the, in the beautiful parts too, like just showing up fully in, in wherever you are at and know that the more often you do that, you give yourself permission to do that. You allow others to do the same thing. And it's a rippling effect. And like, I think that's where the healing comes in when somebody can recognize like where you're at and then you share and they share and it just kind of keeps spilling over. And also like, no matter what you're going through, like those feelings are, are so intense, but if you sit with them, eventually they will dissipate. And it's, you know, that's what, yeah, it is. It is. It's all okay. All of it's okay. I uh, I have a friend who's been on the podcast or two, two of my uh, friends who've been on the podcast um, and they have a new book coming out. I don't know if it's later this year or I'll have to double check, but um, it's a kid's book and it's, it's uh, called feelings are like farts. And I think it just plays into everything that you're talking, both of you are talking about. Um, <laughs> I think you know. I saw something about this. Cause I sent a, did I send it to you, Shannon? Shannon and I communicate half the time through Instagram reels, but I, I saw something about this, that exact phrase, and I sent it to a few people. So and I've always really, really loved that thought of just saying, hey, you know, sometimes they're stinky and sometimes they're silent, but they always dissipate and they never stay forever. So you feel so much better when you let them out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you both for coming on. I've really enjoyed this. We've covered a lot of ground in today's episode, um, especially around you know all the all the 
community-based aspects and how healing that could be. And then we've yeah. got some good terminology and clarification on geekiness and nerdiness and a lot yeah. of good books have been recommended. So I, I thank you both for coming on and I, I'm really excited to see um, the work that you all do and how Tethered grows. Thank you thank so you. much for the invitation. This is awesome. Yeah. Thank you.